Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. We'll be reading from the New King James Version. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Good morning. Very good morning to be together. God bless you. I know God loves you. I love you, and it's a blessing to be able to present God's Word to you this morning. Uh, We are going to look at the subject of God's Word and Scripture. So the written Word of God. About a year ago, I did a study very similar to this one. About a year before that, I did a study very similar to this one. And then a year before that, and so forth. Every year, I find it very important that we go back and we look at the authority of God's Word and make sure that it is a part of our life and it's motivating us and compelling us. This morning, we look at the subject of the written Word of God and how God has given it to us and blessed us with this truth. So believe in the Bible. I want to ask you a question this morning. I think it's very relevant and something that should come back in mind throughout the rest of this week, even toward the end of this lesson, which is, If someone were to ask you why you believe in the Bible, what would you say? What would you say? Someone might say, and I think it's a good answer, I I believe in Jesus, therefore I believe in the Bible. That's the only record. That's where it is. Or they might say, Jesus rose from the dead. That's why I believe in the Scriptures. I think that's an excellent answer. And the Bible gives us much evidence and proofs to demonstrate. In fact, Acts chapter 1 starts out and says there are many proofs that Jesus rose from the dead. And those things have been given to us. Someone might say, The Bible is the most attested book in history, and it has changed the world, and that's very true. And that should strengthen our faith and give us confidence. So I want you to think about that this morning. How would you respond? What was the first thing that came to your mind when you asked the question, if someone asked you, why do you believe in the Bible, what would you say? We also see that the Bible is filled with hundreds of predictive prophecies that have been fulfilled and that we see God's divine hand in Scripture, and I think that's an excellent answer. The Bible as a a whole is an effect of a miracle, and that is that God's Spirit, God has spoken to men, apostles, prophets, and He has given revelation to them, and they have written it down and put it in Scripture just as our Scripture reading has presented to us this morning. It is an effect of a miracle that God has put together this book that is amazing, that guides us. We understand, understand what the Bible is. I've often heard when I was growing up that the Bible was written over 1,600 years by 40 writers. Have you ever figure that out in your head, how that is? Well, from Moses in about 1,500 B.C., and you come down to about 100 A.D., well, A.D. 100, when John had finished Revelation. That's usually when people date John's Revelation, around 90. I date a little bit earlier than that. But about 1,600 years over that course from Moses to John, the Bible was written. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And the fact that he edited and oversaw it in most of the part that is written. 
The Bible, again, is the most attested book in history. We have 100% of God's Word. And some people today say, I don't know if I can trust God's Word. How do I know that over the last 20 centuries, somebody hasn't come along and changed some things? A certain church came along and changed things. Well, we have Bibles that have been passed down through different churches, different people with different faith. New Testament Christians, Christians like us, have passed down the Bible through the centuries as well. And we have manuscripts, numerous manuscripts. In fact, in Greek, we have 5,700 plus. In fact, it might be 5,800 plus. And there have been um, scholars that have been going over into uh, Turkey and do some of these ancient museums and pulling up these, these old writings on old paper. And they can look behind the text. They can see what text is written on there. And then with ultraviolet light, they can see behind it what was written on it before. Usually quality paper like that would have, been, would have consisted before and sometimes been reused when the ink wore off. And it would have passages of Scripture on it. The truth is we have 100% of the Bible today. Every century from when the printing press came out, 5,700 handwritten manuscripts all the way back to the, to the 4th century have been there and preserved for us. In fact, there's 50-plus uh, manuscripts before that. We have the Bible is well attested, and there's no reason to doubt what we have in it. Now, scholars, 99.9% will say is good, and then some of these guys, and I disagree with them even arguing over some of them, but they say there's some variance because they're handwritten, and we don't, we don't really know in that one out of a thousand part. And um, that's, none of that affects any doctrine, anything you read in the Bible. Sometimes it's you open your Bible and read the Lord Jesus, and another hand manuscript, handwritten manuscript might say Jesus Christ. And what did they do? That, well, they put the word Lord in, or they, they said Jesus' name in a different way. And it really doesn't affect our Bible. Our, the Scriptures have been maintained. There's no other writing anything like God's Word, like the Scriptures that we have. So you can have faith and strong confidence in God's Word and in the Bible. And there's more manuscripts than just the 5,700, 11,000 in Latin, another 9,000 other languages like Syriac and Aramaic and Coptic. And then we simply read this. We have faith and we believe in Jesus Christ. And we're going to listen to His words in a moment. But many of these scholars out there, and I agree with them, that there are thousands upon thousands of quotations all the Bible from early church writers from the first century, second century, third century, and fourth century before uh, to, the, to the earliest known full copy of the Bible we have that now is from the fourth century. But we can reconstruct all the New Testament from those early church writers. That's how well-attested the New Testament is, the Bible is. No reason for us to have any doubts on that. We can have strong conviction today as we stand before the world and say, I know God's word. I know the truth and I know what Jesus said. And that's where I stand and this is what I believe. We can do that with great confidence. I thank God that we've been blessed with that evidence that's been given to us to demonstrate these things. In fact, today the scriptures are beyond humanity's ability to lose in record and print. Now, what I mean by that is we can lose God's Word by not reading it, by not paying attention to it, by not taking what God has blessed and provided through us through the centuries and given to us. However, if somewhere today, if, if there was a world government that said no more Bibles, you think they could get rid of all the Bibles in the world? It's still the number one printed book in the world. I don't think it is possible even if they were to remove all the digital copies, everything off the internet, off uh, computers, everything they try to do, 
There's no way that you will be able to get rid of it. And just the quotations of the Bible and all other literature throughout the last 20 centuries, you cannot get away from the Scriptures. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, and it's repeated in Mark and Luke as well. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And that is very true. The words of Jesus Christ have not been lost, and we have them. We have them firmly, without a doubt, that we know what Christ has said. When people deny the perfection of the Bible, what they're rejecting is the perfection of Jesus Christ. And they say, well, I think there's errors in the Bible, and I think the Bible is historically inaccurate or scientifically inaccurate. They're saying that when Jesus spoke about Adam, when he spoke about Genesis, when he talk, spoke about Jonah, that, that Jesus himself made mistakes. And we see in the Scripture and as a foundation of faith that Jesus was infallible and sinless, and so are his words. Our passage we want to look at this morning is from 2 Peter chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, I want to look at this for a moment. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. This is what Justin read for us earlier. Now listen to what Peter says. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so Peter's saying right here, this is not some kind of myth or legend that's been passed down that some people might say about the Bible. Peter says, we're eyewitnesses of this. We've seen the majesty of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to explain here, when we were on the mountain, when Jesus Christ was transfigured, when the voice of God spoke from heaven confirming that he was the Son of God, we knew it and we had the prophetic word confirmed. And this is what we read here in verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God... That is, when he was transfigured from God the Father. And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, Peter is speaking here, and he's saying, we. Who was up there? Well, John and James were with him. Only three of them were there on that mountain to see the transfiguration and hear the voice of God. And James, by this time, has died. But Peter and John write Scripture. And the Scripture they write, it says here, the prophetic word. I think sometimes we get the idea in our, idea in our mind that the word prophecy always meant a prediction. The word prophecy or prophetic comes from the Greek word prophetes. It means to speak forth. And so what we have here is the word prophecy, you could change it out with a word for revelation and have essentially the same meaning. This is God's revealed word we heard God's voice. We saw Jesus on the mountain transfigured. We're eyewitnesses of this. This is not mythology or legend. This is truth, and we preach it to you. And he says here in verse 19, and we have the prophetic word, God's revealed word, more fully confirmed. How is that? Because not only do we have scriptures that we see Jesus fulfilling, and we see what Moses said, and we see these wonderful things in the Bible, but we have heard the voice of God himself, and therefore we know God's word is true. And he says here, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place, as a reference to Psalm 119. And he says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. What does he mean by one's own interpretation? He says here that it didn't just come by the will of man. Man didn't sit down and put this together. 
You can go over time and you can look through 1,600 years of Greek philosophy and you're going to be hard to find philosophers that agree with one another. And here we have 1,600 years of Jewish um, writers, Jewish writers here of Israel, bringing God's Word down to us and writing it for us, and they are in perfect agreement. And in verse 20 here, he says, Knowing this, first of all, first of all, know this, that no, none of Scripture, no prophecy, no revelation of Scripture, it comes from any man's interpretation or his own explanation. In verse 21, for no prophecy, no revelation has ever been produced by the will of man. But this is what Scripture is. This is what Scripture is. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God gave revelation through His Spirit. He gave it to His apostles, and they wrote it. And as they wrote it, God was with them the whole time, making sure that it was right and perfect. And God's Word and the Scriptures today, we can be confirmed and confident. This is the truth. We stand there. So we read through this text, we can see these points that have been presented to you. It didn't come from the will of man. It came from God. The evidence, I believe, is overwhelming. We have apostolic Scripture. Peter recognized Scripture. And so some people might say, well, you, when you read 2 Timothy 3.16, and it talks about every Scripture is God's breath. And it's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. The person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every work. And some would say, you know, that's just talking about the Old Testament. Well, Paul says that in 2 Timothy, but in 1 Timothy, he quoted from the Gospel of Luke and called it Scripture. There in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 18. When Peter was talking here about the prophetic word that we just read there, and he says, Peter, he says himself, he talks about John. He says that we have prophetic revelation in Scripture. He's also including Paul because in chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, he says, Paul wrote Scripture. So when we're reading about Scripture in the Bible, we're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're talking about it being inspired and breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Luke also cited other Gospels. We talked about this in our Bible class this morning. He said there are other narratives written by eyewitnesses before he wrote. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Matthew and Mark were already written. In fact, as we look at these writers, and we look at Matthew, and we look at Mark, and we look at Luke, and of course Luke wrote Acts, and in, in including that. And then we look at the five writings of John and the 14 writings of Paul. And then we look at the writings of Peter. We could include Mark with him if we want, First and Second Peter. You have right here, just looking at these passages, 25 books of the 27 books of the Scriptures confirmed. And then you can go and listen to Paul in Galatians 1 as he speaks about James as an apostle and a prophet and a leader in the church and the brother of Christ. And I have no doubt that James was an inspired leader as well. We look at these Scriptures. We should be in all of God's Word. Do not take the Bible lightly. Do not lose it, because God has blessed us with it, has passed it down to us. The Apostle John as well, in 1 John chapter 1, he says, we are writing these things. We who live with Jesus, who saw him, who handled him, touched him, we are writing, 1 John 1 and verse 4. They knew what they were doing. They were writing Scripture. The Apostle's word, it came from the Spirit of God. Some people will say they didn't know they were writing Scripture. Well, Paul did, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In other words, our words that we give to you and we write them down 
are from the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit has given them to us. Similar passages, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul said this to the Thessalonians. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And we accept God's word as what it is. We accept the Bible as it's been revealed to us. And we put a place of that God's word in our heart. It works on us as believers. In fact, the scriptures tell us the Bible consists of all truth. And someone might say, well, what if there's errors in it? What if there's mistakes in it? The Bible confirms to us that it's been revealed by God. What the scriptures say, God has said, and what God has said, the scriptures say. John 16 and verse 13, Jesus said this to his apostles. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then Peter confirms this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Peter says, we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. God's power has granted it to us. And we are blessed by it. I ask you this morning, do you want half the truth? And sometimes we feel comfortable with, I know about half the Bible. I know a portion of the Bible. I know the Gospels very well, and that, that's just enough for me. That's not what the Bible teaches, is it? In fact, when you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it talks about them being baptized. And then the command to the apostles was, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We have a text with all truth. Everything that we need and we struggle with spiritually in this life is answered right here in this book, and even more so in God's revelation that we have. But I think some are okay with knowing only half of the Scriptures. I don't think it's good to know half or just a portion of a recipe. I don't know if I want to eat that bread or that cake. There are some out there really good at cooking that don't need a recipe. And as for me, I need that. I need the instructions to do it right. Now, what, if, what happens when we only have half the directions we have? What if your GPS goes out halfway through the trip? You ever happen, that happened to you before? I've had my phone go out. I've been using it. runs out of power. I have no way to charge it up. And I kind of feel lost. And if we treat God's Word and we only take half of it, we have problems. Sometimes it feels like when I watch a football game that the officials only know half the rules. And I don't like that. Sometimes I want them to read the whole thing. I want them to know it all. And then as we look here as well, I don't want to get on a commercial flight and know that the pilot, you know, has a certification, a student, a student pilot certification. I want him to know all of it. I want him to be finished with his training. I don't want to know that his co-pilot just walked on the plane and never has been on a plane before. So we want to know the truth. And we expect our leaders and ministers and those around us and those who are teaching our children know God's Word and to read it because it is all of God's truth. I don't want half of it. I want all of it. I encourage you, make sure that you're studying the Bible. Don't just say, you know, God's grace will cover that. I don't know about this. Go and study. Read it. Know it. And again, as Christ told His disciples, He said, you know, to teach them all all that I've commanded you. And that tells us something. It tells us this, that Christians can and must observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Know that very clearly there in Matthew 28 when Jesus says to teach that. And then I look at certain passages here. In 1 Corinthians 14, 
You know, that we talked about Church of Corinth. They had a lot of problems. And a lot of them started questioning the Apostle Paul. And some false apostles rose up. We read about in 2 Corinthians who spoke against him. And Paul had this problem where it appeared that some of those in Corinth thought they were more spiritual and they had a better understanding of things. That they didn't have to listen to all the truth. And you hear some people today that, that do that. They'll say, well, God's word led me to Jesus, but the rest of it, I get it on my own. God gives it by my own revelation. Some strange things like things that the Bible does not teach. And, and even in the New Testament times, you didn't have everybody having the ability to receive all revelation directly from the Holy Spirit and having no need of Scripture. No, they had to turn to the apostles and prophets, to those who had this ability and gift, who wrote God's Word. The apostles wrote the commands of God. And facing that, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. Here he's dealing with disorder in the assembly. He's dealing with those who are stirring up the congregation here he's dealing with certain women that were trying to take a leadership role in the congregation. And he says this to them about God's word. He says, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Paul had no mistake about it. He knew that it was God's word. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. In other words, there's somebody among you who's saying, God's word is not God's word. Do not recognize him. Anybody that starts questioning the Bible and says this part is not from God, do not recognize him because they do not recognize God's word and him. No one can claim a spiritual position over Christ, his apostles, and the scriptures. I encourage you with this as far as it's concerning with false teachers those who will not tell you the truth, we need to ask the question of how we should view God's Word. 1 Timothy 6, verses 3-5, through 5, Paul says this. He says, Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And there are a lot of people today in the context of a church setting who have rejected God's word, who have said Jesus probably didn't say what the Bible says he said. Yes, there are preachers and teachers out there that say that, a great number of them in a great number of different churches. And they reject this truth. And they reject the words that are in accordance with godliness. And what was wrong with them? They've become puffed up. They've thought too much of themselves. They crave controversy. They quarrel over the words. They cause division. They speak out against others. They are depraved of mind because they are deprived of the truth. I encourage you this morning to think about King Josiah. I always like going back to King Josiah in 2 Kings 22. So King Josiah was wanting to get an idea of how much wealth was in the temple, and he sent his treasure over there. And he goes to, to talk to the high priest Hilkiah. And the high priest Hilkiah says, I was cleaning out the temple, and guess what I found? I found God's word. God's word. God's people lost God's word in his house. And I think that's applicable, applicable today. 
for those who claim that we are in the house of God, that is in the church and the temple, God's temple, and yet we lose His Word. And this is what we read in 2 Kings. Hilkiah says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. What have they been doing for those last few years? I don't, I don't know. And then after hearing the reading of the book, Josiah tore his clothes and he repented and he committed himself to God's commands. And he did so from the heart. And he committed himself to love God every part of his being and to obey God in every way he could. I think it's sad that today as Christians, we certainly don't want a church or an environment like that where we as God's people will lose God's word in his house. We need to know the truth and believe it and uphold it. Don't be ashamed of God's word. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you on the day of judgment. Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Christians can never change the sinless and infallible nature of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ, as the Bible says numerous times, is sinless, he's perfect, he's infallible, so are his words. And as Jesus said in John 17 and verse 8, he gave his words to his apostles. And he said in John 16 and verse 13 that he gave all truth through the Holy Spirit. Then his apostles and prophets have the words of Christ perfect. Therefore, Christians must stand. We must stand for the perfect nature of Jesus' words and for the Bible. We will not compromise it. And we will not give it up for society. We will not give it up for godlessness. We will not give it up to make other people feel better or to compromise to sin. We will not give up God's word. We will not move from it. We stand on it. Christians will never compromise the truth. And by Christians, I mean those who are following Jesus Christ. They know the Bible consists of all truth. This morning, I encourage you, obey the Word of God. Do not compromise God's Word. Can you rely upon the Word of God for your salvation? Absolutely. Paul said to the elders in Miletus, as they come down from Ephesus, the elders there, he said this, I now commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You can have eternal life and inheritance from God among those who are holy and made right by following God's Word. We need to do that. Even those who question God's Word today, they will tell you this, every critic. They will say the first gospel is the one you read about in 1 Corinthians 15. The first Christians really did believe that Jesus died and then He was buried and He rose again. Even the critics admit that. And if you admit that, I don't know how you can reject anything else. That is the gospel. This morning, if you want to be a Christian, you want to follow the Word of God, you can do that. I encourage you to do that out of love. Turn to God, fully committed to Him. That you become like Jesus Christ, that you die to your sins, be buried in the waters of baptism, and rise in the newness of life, and have confidence in the Bible that has all truth. This morning, if you need to obey the gospel... You need to repent of any sins. You need prayers. You need encouragement. We want to help you in that. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.